Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Clinton Robinson here. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Coffee and Comics. Uh, I'm doing this one kind of off the cuff because I didn't realize I was going to have a little bit of recording time. So I'm taking quick advantage of it and we're going to go through a comic I read recently that has kind of been on my list to talk about for a while anyway. But boy oh boy does it seem like the appropriate one for today. Ah, but before we get into that, just a reminder for those of you that might be new to the show, this is a show where I more or less summarize a comic, give it a little quick review, basically in the span of time it takes to have a nice little coffee break. I don't always succeed in that measure, but, you know, I do what I can. But like I said, I'm playing this one off the cuff, folks. No script today, so... Goodness only knows what I'm going to come up with. <laughs> oh, but that's okay. Because this is how we have fun, and this is how we keep things interesting, right? Right. Okay, maybe not quite as interesting. But anyway. So, today's comic is Chuck Norris Karate Commandos number. It was put out by Star Comics, which was an imprint of Marvel, of course. That was their uh, kid-friendly slash licensed book line there for a while. came out in July of... I'm sorry, it has a cover date of July 1980. story is called Kidnapped. Writer was Howard Mackey. Penciler was Alex Saviak. Inker was Sam Delarosa. Letterer, Phil Felix. Colorist, Petra Scottis. Editor, Don Daly. And Editor-in-Chief, Jim Shooter. Based on a Ruby Spears production. And what do we mean by that, folks? That means this is a cartoon tie-in. Which in itself was a toy tie-in. Although I think technically the cartoon came first. Either way, they're all Chuck Norris cash grabs. So, you know, it is what it is. Our cover, and yes, I know, I usually skip the cover, but this is kind of important for later on. The cover features Chuck Norris in a scuba suit, swinging a kick up onto, or swinging up onto a dock with a kick flying in the air toward a guy's head, knocking a gun out of his hand. Oh, that really gives you absolutely no clue of what's actually going on in the book, but by golly, it makes for a fun action. So let's just dive right into this one, shall we? The issue starts with 
what appears to be a ninja commando kind of dude jumping out of a tree getting the drop on Chuck Norris. Well, of course, old Chuck doesn't exactly get gotten. You know, I mean, he is Chuck freaking Norris in this. But it turns out it's just a training exercise between Chuck and his friend Reed. Uh, we get approached by Jack Fredericks, who is the new uh, government liaison for Chuck and his Karate Commandos team. And speaking of the team, we spend about the next eight pages introducing everybody to them. Even though this is the fourth issue, you know, this might be somebody's first. We meet Tabe, the sumo wrestler. Yes, it sounds like Tubby. Yes, actually, let's dwell on it a lot, because uh, we make the point that he likes to eat a lot. But he's also super strong, so, you know, whatever works. We meet Chuck's niece and ace mechanic, Pepper. We also meet Kimo, the samurai swordsman, who has uh, also began practicing with... And then we meet... Too much. Who is Chuck's ward slash adopted son of look at it. He is definitely too much. But just about that time, Chuck's signal watch goes off, alerting him there is an important meeting. So one hour later in downtown Los Angeles, Chuck Norris arrives at the West Coast branch of Plum Computers. That kind of serves as the front for whatever government... Yeah. Yeah, j just, just roll with it, folks. Chuck finds out that he and his karate commandos are supposed to help a Dr. Johan ben Belson. Not Benson, Belson. Learn to read, my stupid eyes. But, uh, yeah, they're supposed to help Johan Belson in the exchange of... Uh, well, basically to rescue his kidnapped daughter. You know, the usual, he he has an invention that they want, blah, blah, blah. Should I have mentioned that uh, the Karate Commandos go up against an organization called Vulture, a la, you know, James Bond Spectre? Yeah, I probably should have, and so should have the comic, because guess what? They're barely even... Yeah, you're introduced to the whole team, probably for the fourth time, but by golly, you have to learn... All the other players on your own. Hope you watched the cartoon and bought the toys, huh? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it turns out that Belson and Chuck Norris have a past. And Belson is known for basically double-crossing every... He's kind of, uh... Well... He's selfish, but he's also a scaredy-cat. So, yeah, he's, he's just gonna go with whatever's easy. But that's okay. Chuck agrees. Everything's going to be fine. Belson's worried about his daughter. You know, obvious concern. And, I mean, they should be. His daughter's a diabetic. She needs her insulin. And, of course, you know, they come up with a plan. They're going to put a tracking device in Belson's shoes. Yes, that's right, in his shoes. And... While he's meeting with the kidnappers at a predetermined location out in the ocean, they're going to be several miles 
you know, down the shoreline, ready to spring in as soon as they find out everything's hunky-dory. Well, guess what? The meeting doesn't exactly go as Chuck and crew planned. Belson immediately rats them out, leave, you know, ditches his shoes, all that fun stuff, and the kidnappers manage to blow up the ship that, you know, is supposed to have been waiting. But guess what? Chuck was super smart. Chuck totally, totally saw through that. He put the real tracking device in the case full of insects. How did they escape getting blown up, though? They saw through that, too. They've already been in scuba gear, just swimming along, doing the Chuck Norris Karate Commandos thing. And, of course, you know, we see everybody on the dock, and we get a recreation of the cover from a different angle with a different dude, but still Chuck Norris. Because that's the important part of this book, right? Chuck Norris. So, a few bits of fighty fight. I say a few, more like about, oh, four-ish pages. And everything works out in the end, right? Right. Uh, four, nothing. This is like six, almost seven pages of the fighty fight action scene. This is a Chuck Norris movie. Uh, still life, I guess. But in the end, everybody is saved. Belson's daughter is rescued. Belson learns a lesson. And Chuck realizes that the kidnappers were working for the Cult of the Claw. Dun-dun-dun! Who, I suppose, are the comic book equivalent of Vulture, because I the name Vulture at all. I know that kind of just doesn't explain much at all there at the end, but it is truly a bunch of fighty-fight scenes. You know, Chuck swings at this, Chuck swings at that, Chemo spins around with his sword, his wooden sword, because, you know, safety regulation. So, we will take a quick break there, and come back with my thoughts on this. There's something like 115,000 English-language podcasts in the world, and no doubt hundreds of them are aimed at the comic book genre. There are sci-fi comic podcasts. Horror comic podcasts. War comic podcasts! But do you know what we need? Two guys crazy enough to combine those fields and make a podcast of their very own? Yes. It's the answer to a question no one asked, so that's why we are answering it. Such a gaping hole in the podcast landscape must be filled post-haste. Did you really just use the word post-haste? The Weird Warriors podcast covers the Weird War Tales comic book series published by DC Comics from 1971 to 1983. Along the way, we'll also check out other horror and war comics published by DC, Marvel, Charlton, and any other targets that may present themselves to us. I have the war books, and he has the horror books. So if you're ready to take a nice, relaxing look at the hell of war in comic book form from the age of the caveman to the distant future, then report for duty by subscribing to the Weird Warrior Podcast, brought to you by the Brothers Flea, wherever fine podcasting provisions are issued. Vampires. Aliens. Dinosaurs. Alien dinosaurs. There's something for everyone. 
General Sherman said war is hell, but do you know what else is? Weird. For our purposes, yes. So tune in to the Weird Warrior podcast today. Do it. That's an order. Yes, sir. Don't call me sir. I work for a living. But we're not getting paid for this. Hey. Well, I'm Max. And I'm Rich. And we're going to be bringing you the Weird Warriors podcast, where we will promise to make war no more. All right. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking. Okay. So, before I really dive in, it's time for a little bit of background on this. According to Wikipedia, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos is a fictionalized version of Chuck Norris, where he is a United States government operative with a team of radically diverse warriors known as the Karate Commandos. And I know I didn't say it before, but let us be sure to point out Commandos is spelled with a K. Together, they fight the organization Vulture, led by The Claw and his right-hand man, Super Ninja. Super, I must say it one more time because obviously it hasn't sunk in, folks. Super Ninja. (sighs) Okay, so, where to begin? Where to begin? Okay. Given that this is based on the cartoon, it actually feels a little more like an actual Chuck Norris movie. I mean, the the plot feels like something that would ha- I mean, without all the extremities of Tabe and Chemo and all that, definitely without too much. But I mean, you know, the kidnapping plot, the exchange, you know, blowing up a boat, Chuck and his team, well, you know, I, you know, the, the whole subterfuge coming in, whipping up on some bad guys, just wah, wah, wah. You know, it all be. You can't tell me there's not a movie out there with Chuck Norris that doesn't feel like something right here. And by golly, if there's not, there should be. Because, honestly, this is fun. This story is fun. It's I know it's corny. I know it's hokey. I know it ties in with a very, very corny cartoon. A reminder, the cartoon only lasted five episodes, folks. Five. Ruby Spears, you know, wasn't exactly known for everything running forever like Scooby-Doo. But by golly, I mean, five. The tie-in comic only lasts four, by the way. So, you know, we get this whole dropping of the Cult of the Claw and all that. And, but then again, I mean, this comic feels a lot like the Superpowers mini-comics that came with the figures, or the He-Man mini-comics that came with, or... Basically, anything that goes with a tie-in property like that, they're designed to help simulate play and give kids adventure ideas for their figures and all that fun stuff. And speaking of the figures, there in that figure line, there were three Chuck Norris figures 
as well as, you know, half the other characters that we meet in this. Notice there's no Claw or Super Ninja in, or any ninjas, really. But in this whole comic, Chuck does not wear anything that his figures wear or that he wears in the cartoon. I kind of found that to be a bold choice. Especially for a tie-in, you know? You figure you would want your character to look their most iconic. And speaking of looking iconic, Chuck Norris in this comic is completely blonde. And I mean, like, Steve Rogers' yellow hair blonde. In the cartoon and the figures, he actually is more of a redhead. Kind of trying to simulate that Chuck Norris hair, but hair is hard to translate into. Take that as you will. But yeah, I mean, the, the art in this is actually really good, for the most part. Uh, there are a lot of clothing choices and the way they fit that doesn't really fit with what I would expect. But for the most part, the art itself is really good. It actually uh, actually conveys the story. People stay on model for the most part, and they do look like they do in the cartoon for the most part. I will, I will complain about one thing. Belson's daughter. Holy cow, what age is she supposed to be? She has her hair up in pigtails, like she's supposed to be, you know, six. But they draw her from the neck down more like 16. So, I mean, this is kind of one of those cases of, did we just not get a good good communication between all the, the art and scripting and all that, or or what? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, overall, this is actually pretty good. I know I, I sell it short. You don't have to have lofty expectations, though. I mean, you probably know what you're getting going in with something called Chuck Norris Karate Commandos that is spelled with an, a K on Commandos. I mean, yeah. when you start examining this book, you get fed up with it fast. If you're looking for what Greg Arujo calls a Sunday afternoon laundry day kind of read, okay, I, I said, said it wrong, Greg. You know what I mean. You all know what I mean. Something that you read in between folding loads of laundry. That, that's how Greg says it, yes. This is it. This is going to take you, you know, five, ten minutes to just sit down and read. But especially if you let it play out in your head like a Chuck Norris movie, this is fun. This really is. Howard Mackey knows his stuff. This is a... And in the end, isn't that what we really want from a book? For it to be a fun story with some fun art and minimal amounts of too much. I'm serious, folks. If, if you don't know why I'm fed up with too much. He is the scrappy-doo of this show. Like, beyond scrap. He's... 
He's a one-note joke, and that note is B-flat. Okay, anyway, anyway. You know, focus on the highlights. Fun book. Decent art. Nice colors. It's all good. Definitely worth a read. Even if you don't like Chuck Norris, this is still worth a read. Just mentally replace it with Shang-Chi or something. That might... No, that would bring down Shang-Chi. But you know what I mean. Anyway. I'm going to take another quick break and be back with some listener feedback. In 1974, four men literally changed the face of rock and roll forever. Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, Ace Frehley, and Paul Stanley wanted to become the band they never got to see. Over the next 40 plus years, the music, the makeup, the merchandise, and the loyal fan base have propelled KISS to one of rock and roll's elite groups. With KISS heading down their end-of-the-road tour, we thought we would start our journey. Turn it up to 10 because we love it loud. Right Between the Eyes is a podcast all about our favorite band, KISS. We will be covering all eras of KISS with the various albums, studio, live, and compilations, plus album mashups and more. We will also cover solo and band projects from all members, past and present, while also looking at the various bands that have opened for KISS as well. Not to mention all of the fun items in the KISS catalog. TV appearances, long-form videos, merchandise, comic books. Come on, the list goes on and on. Coming in late May, early June 2021 to a podcast platform near you. Follow us on Twitter at RBTE Podcast. Loud. I want to hear it loud. Right between the eyes. Thanks for sticking with me again. <sighs> I know this has probably been the first one in a while. I didn't mean for there to be so much time in between episodes, but by golly, it happens. <sighs> and unfortunately, life did indeed get in the way, but it's okay. I'm here. I'm, I'm still going to stick around. It just might be a while because life. But that's okay. Anyway, to the point. Last episode was part of the monthly... No. Last episode was part of the Mary Marvel Marching Society. I'm sorry, my brain is just frazzled because I what consonance is. Although, since I already started in, shout out to Rick Heineken and Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Because, yes, that's where my tongue went. But yes, uh, last episode was part of the Mary Marvel Marching Society, where we were covering Acts of Vengeance on a podcast-wide crossover. And I was lucky enough to have chosen Cloak and Dagger, and you all heard what I had to say about that last episode, I hope. If not, please go back and listen to it and check out everybody else that was involved in that crossover. It is actually tons of fun. So, last episode got Twitter likes and retweets from Green Lantern HG, Laurel at Mountainflower1, Ed Moore, Zen of EarthX, Fritz Freakenstein, Sarah Rhodes, Drew Thulu, 
Waffles, History of Comics on Film, Warlock Thanos Podcast, Jackson Zelda, Ranger Gord, Tim Price, Paul Hicks, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Justin Steiner, Trekker Talk, Rad Adventures, Secret Wars and Beyond, and Rolled Spine Podcasts. Over on Facebook, we got likes and shares from Pat Sampson, Bill Beer, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, Gene Hendricks, Jerry Green, Hal Jordan, Rick Heineken, Derek William Crabb, who helped organize us all, by the way, Al Sedano, and the Fan Holes Podcast. So, I got a little bit of feedback. Uh, Green Lantern HG says, Great episode, Clinton. It is a fun comic, but I don't think there was enough cloak and dagger. But I guess most events are like this. Keep up the great work. Well, I appreciate it, HG, but... um, Yeah, I mean, not everybody in the crossover had to put up with having the Avengers show up. You know, Spider-Man got to do his own thing. Thor got to do his own thing. Cloak and Dagger were just kind of, you know, too busy in their own plots to really have any sort of interaction without the Avengers, I guess. Unpacking the Power of Power Pack says, Here is the episode where we talk about Strange Tales 12 through 14, where Julie teaches Cloak to read, which... Which he did link us, and it is episode 49 of Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. If you will recall, I mentioned that was a subplot that they kind of worked in right there at the last of the issue. Our good friend Jason Zeller wrote another email. He says, Great podcast on the Acts of Vengeance storyline. I did enjoy the issues at the time, as they did have heroes and villains facing off who had not really fought each other before. I was really enjoying the fight, he has in quotation marks, with the Avengers, but was sorely disappointed to see the Incredible Hulk was just a robot. But I will take any excuse to see a bunch of superheroes (laughs) thrown together and see what happens. Oh, well, thanks, Jason. Sorry, I'm just picturing, you know, you throw a bunch of things together, see what happens. It's like superhero stew. Jackson Zelda says, The goofiness and ending of the Robot Hulk made me think... (coughs) Let me try that again. Jackson Zelda says, The goofiness and ending of the Robot Hulk made me think of it as an issue of not brand... Yeah, you kind of nailed that one right there, Jackson. Not gonna lie. Okay, so that does it for feedback on that episode. I appreciate all of it. If you do want to leave feedback, you can reply under the Twitter postings. You can reply on Facebook. You can email me at coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can comment on the website, which is coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. I appreciate all the feedback, all the likes, shares, retweets, all the fun stuff like that. Without you, that show would not get out anywhere, I promise you. I could scatter stuff to the wind and it'll blow straight back at me. So, 
the listeners sharing, you know, it's like MST3K used to say, you know, keep sharing the tapes. That's what it's all about. Anyway, I've rambled on long enough. So, I hope you enjoyed this off-the-cuff episode. Hopefully I will have a chance to sit down and do a few more sooner rather than later. Because I'm looking at the calendar on the wall and realizing I am almost, you know, about a week and a half into May and I haven't switched it from April yet. So if that tells you exactly what kind of time I've been having lately. Anyway, and I know I say anyway a lot, so sorry, is what it is. So to wrap it all up in a nice little bow, thank you all. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And remember, this is the place where the comics are never too old and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. Thank you.